Welcome to the BWI Daily Edition Monday live show. No snappy introductions because we got too much to talk about. Penn State thwacked Minnesota. How do you feel about it? We're going to talk about the game. We're going to talk about your feelings about the game coming up on the Daily. It's like the Pro Bowl. If the Pro Bowl actually mattered, we got all of the all-stars here on the BWI Daily Monday Live Show. Nate Bauer, Sean Fitz joining me to discuss Penn State, Minnesota. Gentlemen, uh, welcome and thank you for being here. Fitz, glad to have you. Well, I was the Pro Bowl alternate, and that's what they do these days. Well, before they cancel the game, that's what they do is they turn to the alternates. Um, No, happy to be here. Uh, Happy to be back. I know I've I've had a bunch of people approach me about a post-game reaction type thing, so I'm hopping on here to... Look back, look forward, do a little bit more. We'll be back. I'll be back tomorrow talking recruiting with Ryan as always, and then Thursday with Nate. But happy to be on the live stream. Happy to uh, to get this thing done. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about Penns at Minnesota, giving a, a look back at the game, and of course we we can't not look forward. So we're going to be doing all of that and getting to your questions tonight as well. So if you want to uh, throw your thoughts in the chat, we'll discuss what you want to talk about. But we have some prepared notes and statements we'll have as well and of course uh, the best way to get noticed on the show because i have adhd and colors are helpful if you donate uh, with a super chat we will take your question we'll take your comment we'll put it on air as long as it is tastefully appropriate for uh you know e for everyone is what we'll be going with there so uh nate i want to start with both of you but i want to start with nate because i always enjoy your fresh perspectives 48 hours later once the emotion of the game has gone for most people, uh, what has changed in your mind uh, as you've reflected on the game? Oh boy, what has changed? I don't know if anything's changed necessarily. The the you know uh, the offense isn't dead for Penn State. I think that's where to start. Is the 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 lull of Central Michigan Northwestern in the rain, and obviously the shellacking at Michigan. Uh, you know, it was real. It, it wasn't a figment of our imagination. Penn State's offense was, uh, you know, not dead on arrival, but it was having some serious problems that they needed to overcome. And they did it against a Minnesota defense that I think certainly to, to one end, Penn State exposed as having really not faced uh, anything quite like it to that point in the season. But also, uh, you, you know, Penn State came through. Penn State converted on third downs. They had explosive passing plays. Uh, you know, they had explosive runs. Nick Singleton got back on the scoreboard a couple of times. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it sets up well for Penn State going into this weekend against Ohio State. Uh, before we get to Fitz, just a friendly reminder from Jason Nauman, like the video, because when you do that, that helps us out here and uh, helps let people know that, hey, you like the video, which means the video isn't bad and uh, we'll have more people join. We'll have more people in the conversation. But uh, Fitz, is there anything that's kind of solidified in your mind since the end of the game that upon reflection, maybe you feel differently about or there's something like that? Not really differently, just like Nate said, um, but uh, I like that adjustments were made, notable adjustments as you went through in your in your film pieces and things like that. So for those that say that Franklin and his staff don't do anything different, you know, just continue to do the same thing over and over again. I think there's there's tangible proof that that's false. Um, we we know that, but it's good to see it in person because, you know, you can you can talk about the the slight difference, you know, changing from an inside zone to an outside. You know, no, nobody no, notices a lot of that stuff. So. 
picking up on that and going from there. I think it was good with some personnel changes. We're going to get to uh, talking a little bit more about Curtis Jacobs and how he fits in the, the defense now and things like that. But uh, other than that, it, it's okay to feel happy about a blowout win. I know that right? the window that we get is mostly to our subscribers on the message boards and, and we're on the internet. I mean, the internet is the worst place to try and take, um, you know, a, a, an accurate viewpoint of, of how most people feel, but there's also yeah. a lot of, of truth that comes out. So a four touchdown win against a big 10 opponent, you can feel happy about that. You can still question whether or not they can turn this around and, and do this, this sort of thing that they did with Ohio state um, because that's, that's a toughie. The Michigan game did not go away, but it's okay to feel pretty good about the way Penn state played on Saturday night after that slow start, they got rolling. They did some really nice things. So um, I, I don't, you don't get too high. You don't get too low. I think I said it on the podcast last week. You're not as good as you think you are when you win. You're not as bad as you think you are when you lose. So not as good as you think you are with a four touchdown win, but you can still appreciate it. You can still, you, you, you only get 12 or 13 of these games a year. You can still appreciate yeah. the good ones. So Saturday night was a good one. Great atmosphere. Wonderful. Um, a recruiting opportunity for Penn state. Uh, they, they had a ton of kids on campus and the, the responses are always going to be positive for, for things like that. But th those are what you build on. Those are what you come back around to. And that's going to be the nucleus of your 24 class, the nucleus of your 25 class. If you can get these guys back to campus as much as possible. So that's kind of my thoughts on that. I know Ryan's done a phenomenal job uh, covering recruiting the last couple of days. So check that out on the site, but uh it's okay to be happy. It's football. It's supposed to be fun. So that's that's my takeaway there. And you hit right at the heart of it. In an era where uh, we have 2023 mock drafts four games into the season, looking ahead is everyone's favorite thing to do. And this was a big discussion point on my Twitter today, and I wanted to bring it here because it hit a major nerve. Uh, I was asked, let's put the cart before the horse. Let's say the team finishes 10 and two, but both losses are Ohio state and Michigan. Is that a successful season to me? Number 10, uh, against unranked uh, 10 wins against unranked opponents means nothing. And I just, if you're watching here on the YouTube channel, you see my, my responses do. And I don't mean this disrespectfully. If you only care about two games a year, do you like football? Is this where we are as a football society that 10 games don't bring you joy? You hate losing, but they do not bring you joy. And you only care about two games. So I want to ask the group, I want to ask both of you, um, is that a reality that people live in? And and to the people here watching the show, first off, as always, like the video, and then let me know in the comments. Is that how you feel, that 10 wins doesn't matter as long as both of the losses are to Michigan? Fitz, I'm going to start with you. I feel like I just got your answer, but is there anything you want to add to that? The funny part, I didn't even see that tweet that you made. So um, that 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 just came organically just from following on the Internet. But, yeah, that that's where we're at. Um, some people are at as a, a college football or even pro football. Um, so Internet society is you expect um, you, you expect perfection. And there's nothing wrong with expecting perfection. You want this team to go 12 and 0. You want this team in the playoff. You want all that kind of stuff. Um, but the reality of the situation college football a very imperfect game i think that's what makes it awesome you know that's why it's the best sport in the world uh in my opinion um but you're you're watching college kids play um you know and and trying to expecting perfection is just a, a little bit too much i think we've gotten into the video game thing before we've gotten into the expectation uh of you know aaron Rodgers and and tom brady you know they're, they're not having a great year but 
being as precise as the pro game is, and you expect that to bleed over into college football. And that's just not the reality of the situation. We're going to talk about that slow start here in a little bit. You can't score on every drive. You can't keep the other team out of the end zone on every drive. But I think it's been micro-analyzed so much that that's that's the expectation now, as, as unfortunate as it is. Nate, is there is there this is you're going to help to have to help me with this because I got into the NFL much before I got into college football. And this is very much, you know, my profession, but historical context, I I don't have that. The idea Uh that you're going to stop what what Fitz just said, you're going to stop everybody on every drive and and allowing X number of points is unacceptable and wins and kind of that ratcheted up feeling of you didn't win right enough sometimes. Like, yeah, how do you deal with that as our resident optimist? Uh, I think that it's college football is the sport that we all watch, right? With the smallest margin of error of anything, anything, right? Uh, certainly you could get into like horse racing as though winning the Kentucky Derby doesn't matter if you don't also win the triple crown. But, uh, I just think in general in the NFL, if you lose a game, your season isn't over in yep. the minds of college football fans. When you've lost a game, even one, your season is over. Uh, one, that's not really the case, even though the playoff is still wildly imperfect and needs to be expanded at ASAP. Uh, that that's one element of it. Um, but, but two, <laughs> There, there has to be some level of satisfaction out there. There has to be a way to find value or to find success and grade it against uh, everyone else, right? Because if, if, if only four representatives out of 130 teams that are participating in the sport have had successful seasons, like that's wildly off base. It's also wildly off base, and this is, this is, I mean. Just cut my mic if I go too far here. But like Penn State fans have a massive misunderstanding of what Penn State football is and where it fits into the college football ecosystem. It's not Alabama. It's not Ohio State. It's not Clemson. Okay. And so uh, when you and and everybody's going to say, oh, you know, we're well aware of that. Haven't been there in ever. Okay. Uh, I have news for you, and this is news that has been broadcast for a year and a half, at least, uh, just on this channel. A head coaching change isn't going to fix that, (laughs) right? Like, it's just not. There are so many other things that go into the infrastructure of what those programs are doing to succeed at the level that they are that you need to start to understand uh, if, if you can run the table in the Big Ten outside of Michigan and outside of Ohio state, that's pretty good. If you can split games with Ohio state and Michigan, that's fantastic. And if you can win all of your games in the big 10, that is a a, a, like unimaginable. You should, you should play the lottery every day. You are the luckiest person in the world. Your team has done something that is absolutely unimaginable against the rest of the competition that it's facing. Stephen Light, <laughs> Stephen Light, loving it. By the way, he loves having all three of us here. It's like a three for two deal: beer, pizza, and blue white podcast. If that's your Monday night and uh, you got Monday night football on in the background on mute, you're having a good night so far. Um, yeah, can I, I, can I say one more thing? Before? Sure. 
Yeah. Yes, the, the expectation for this program should be to contend and to make the college football pro, uh, playoff. As it's noted, Michigan State's made it. Washington's made it. No reason Penn State can't make it. And I'm, I'm going to use the finger quotes there because you've got Ohio State in your division, which makes it incredibly tough for it for, the, for them to make it. And of course, Michigan as well. So the expectation we're not we're not talking expectations here because expectations are great to have those uh, those playoff thoughts and to have that at the beginning of the season is great. But, you know, you're not going to win all those games. It's like pointing out, Nate, I know you're big on this, pointing out James Franklin's record against top five teams. Who has a good record against top five teams? Anyone? Maybe Nick Saban. Right. Maybe the, the greatest of all time to do it. Maybe Nick Saban. Um, so you've got so many like, like little things that we're splitting hairs about. You should expect to compete. You should expect to take a few games off of Michigan, probably take fewer off of Ohio State. But you, sh- yeah. you should strive for those things. Absolutely. But if you don't win both of those games and you say that that's a failure, there's a there's a middle ground in there. Right. And I think the the point to about splitting with Michigan that has become a very home and home series. We talked about that going into the game that Penn state has not done a good job winning in Ann Arbor. And it's one of the few places that James Franklin's teams get blown out, but they, it's not like it's a lopsided series with Michigan. They have been competitive with that team. If there's one team that they haven't been competitive with, it's been the one going to the college football playoff. It's been Ohio state. Who's, obviously the clear advantage in the situation and some of the other heartbreaking losses that come later in the season. I understand the frustration, but it, it we're going to wrap this all up in a little bit, but I, I mentioned this in the post game show. If you go 10 and two with Sean Clifford to bookend his career, I have no idea what to do with that. Like from a narrative standpoint, I'm glad you guys are the narrative people. Cause I don't want to handle that. Yeah. I do want to handle the game though. Oh, go ahead. No, he's <laughs> yeah. the narrative guy. I'm trying to point. I was trying to point to him and I realized I'm at the reverse mirror on. Um, yeah. Nate, this one's you. No, the, yeah. the, the, like, uh, I said this earlier today, the, the vibe surrounding Penn state football right now, internally, not, not, um, not, not players and coaches, but fans, the perception of fans right now, because I interact with them every day is just, uh, it's just weird right now. Like I, I'm not, I'm not saying that there isn't reason for some of the disillusionment that I feel like they're feeling right now. Some of the disenchantment, uh, you know, like the disappointment attached to having a great start to the season and then losing a game. I, I get it, but it's also not acknowledging how many other teams and how many other competitors in the space of college football don't get to that point in the first place, right? They lose the game at Auburn. They lose the game at Purdue, right? It's it, it just, Anywhere else that you look outside of the Big Ten, this is happening everywhere. It's happening all over the place. And so if you can acknowledge that and say, hey, uh, five and one is a pretty good start. Six and one is a, is, a, is a very good start, regardless of what you think of the level of competition of the rest of the teams that Penn State is facing. Uh, it just it just is a it's just a strange place where Penn State yeah. fans don't recognize like I think that's the thing that stands out to me they don't recognize anymore that six and one at this point in the season with an opportunity to play a top five team and who knows they're they're two touchdown underdogs maybe Penn State will lose Penn State probably will lose but you have an opportunity you have an opportunity like you get a chance to be in that game so many other places so many other 
so many other college football programs right now do not get that chance. Their games don't matter from the beginning of the season. As soon as the ball is kicked off, their season's over. They stink. They're done. Penn State has a chance in this in this time and place to actually play that game and see what happens. It yes. feels like something that Penn State fans should be excited about, and yet the feedback that I'm getting right now, every sense that I have is that people are just dreading it. It's just, oh, well, this is it. The last, the last two things, uh, and I do want to talk about the game, but this is a this is a perfect topic to talk about heading into the game against Ohio State. Is that first thing is we have to stop discrediting teams when you beat them, because uh, this is a this is a trend that has happened all the time. Of well, Auburn stinks, and well, Purdue stinks, and maybe they're different, varying degrees of competent, but you know, not every team that you beat by a wide margin isn't good. And Ohio State's getting the same treatment of this is the first test for them all year long. Iowa tested Michigan, and apparently Michigan's pretty good. Um, so that test looked different, 54 to whatever it was, 16 by the end of the game. But it was, we just discredit teams once a team wins, and we have to stop doing that. The second thing is, regardless of how this game ends coming up, I'm going to get questions about, oh, my gosh, is Maryland for real later on? Or, oh, my gosh, are they going to lose to Michigan State? Because they always lose to Michigan State at the end of the season. So the stakes aren't going away. You still have to finish the 10 and 2 in this conversation. But part of the win to get you there is the drubbing of Minnesota. So let's talk about the offense to start. Sean Clifford, um, one Big Ten player of the week, got booed by his home crowd. Again, Anything Sean Clifford related anymore, I don't know what to make of it. He hit a deep pass that was a beautiful go ball. He's hit two in a row. He's a different quarterback, or he's not. I don't know. Nate, how do you handle this dichotomy of Sean Clifford playing the last two games the way he has, and Sean Clifford, nobody wants to see him play anymore, apparently. Yeah, it's it's tough. I, I, I People are going to think this is – I don't care what people think. Uh booing the performance at the beginning of the game, right? The three and out, the three and out, the interception. Yep. I, I don't love it, but I don't have a huge problem with expressing dissatisfaction in that moment when you have very high hopes as a fan. I totally get it. Uh, what I do not get and think is is bad news bears. Okay, I'm not going to get into abhorrent and like, oh, this is over the top ridiculous. But booing the announcement of the starting lineup and his name goes on the video board and he says, Sean Clifford, the starting quarterback, Penn state. And there's booze in Beaver stadium is ridiculous. Like it, it's just, it's such a bad look. And the fact that Penn state fans don't realize that it's a bad look is, is like just really, really sad. Honestly, <laughs> um, it, it is. It's just a very strange place to be. When a guy who, let's be honest, he's an average quarterback. He, he's he's yep. been average to above average. He, he, he has never been horrible. He, he's never been an awful quarterback. He hasn't single-handedly lost games for them this year. It's, it's one game, and this is its own thing, right? You've got one, like, this season stands on its own. Last year does not matter. The year before that does not matter. And especially for him, the year four years ago doesn't matter. It's what is happening right now. And to, to come out as a stadium and 
again, it was a mixed reaction, but to have that be the reaction, uh, yeah. I, I just think is is deeply unfair to him and what he's doing and counterproductive. Like, how do you think he feels about that? The decision's already made. He's going to start the game. And now you've put your, your quarterback in this terrible headspace to start the game. I don't uh, know. Fitz, do you have thoughts on this? Are they as fiery and passionate as Nate's? They're not as fiery and passionate about Nate's uh, or as Nate's. But uh, I will say I agree with his last point, but want to make a different point that, that it is a bad look for 150 kids in the crowd you know, looking at Penn State fans' support for their team and booing their starting quarterback, booing the head coach as well, um, which, I, you know what, I don't have a uh, – the same way with Nate. I don't have a huge problem with performance-based booing, but to get your frustration out about the Michigan game by booing the guy in the pregame is not a good look. Um, I, I do think that that's one of those things, and talking to parents and things like that, that that's tough to take for uh, – if you're trying to build a program. I mean, because you're – you're sort of uh, damming up what you're, you know, you're, you're trying to, to, to have everything fro- flow freely and you're sort of building your building these dams in front of you, just getting in your own way. So I think that that's the takeaway uh, from that. Clifford, uh, Nate said it, he's an average to slightly above average at times quarterback. Um, there's a lot of bad quarterbacks in college football yeah. and in, even, even in pro football as well. But in, I, I, I'll tend to think that he'll be underappreciated, but I get the frustration as well. It's a, it's a tough, tough line to walk um, to play both sides of that one because it's just, there's, he's been here for so long, just so long and doing right. You know, doing good things, doing bad things, doing uh, absolutely what the hell is going on type things. Uh, and that's where you come back around. And And I keep saying it, for this offense to function at its peak or to run most of the playbook, it's it's going to be a, a healthy Sean Clifford that's doing so. Love Drew Aller. Uh, I think he's got potential through the roof. I also don't think he's there yet, and I don't think in this stretch of games right now it, it, it would be the time to do it. So um, it's it, it, it's a tough tough line to walk because he's done a lot of good, and it, that fatigue makes it harder and harder to acknowledge it. I, I say it to Nate all the time. If, if Sean Clifford threw a pass and drew Aller threw the exact same pass to the exact same spot, people would have different feelings about those two passes. And I think that that's, that says a lot about where people are in terms of, of, of getting over Sean Clifford. But again, I get it. It's been a long, long time. Hasn't gotten over that hump as a, as a team, uh, you know, getting, getting those wins that we talked about earlier uh, with, uh, with Ohio state. And then of course with Michigan, the last two seasons. So, so I get it definitely, but yeah, it's a, it's going to be a complicated uh, retrospective uh, when we talk about his senior day thing because he's he's done a lot of good and it's tough to acknowledge that right now if you're a fan. Yeah, it, it there's there's a lot of emotion that goes into it and there's a lot of it's funny too that Sean Clifford isn't the reason they lost at Michigan. It's just no. this. It's the easiest point. It's the it's the lowest hanging fruit when it comes to who do you blame the head coach and the quarterback because they make all the decisions for the offense and for the team and uh, and a lot of it is earned over time and but also if we take a look at the last four years with Sean Clifford it he he might have been the best or the worst person to be the starting quarterback at Penn State during one of the most unprecedented unprecedented times in America during COVID and then the rebound from that so that is also a part of the whole story and a part of the fatigue of the last couple of years just haven't been good. And I, I think that there's a part of this that it, both things we've talked about tonight, whether it's the record or whether it's Sean Clifford and all that stuff, it's just this feeling of it hasn't been 
the same lately. And there's, I think, a false sense of hope with this six and one start. But the offense put up 45 points. Um, how do you feel about the performance fits uh, in terms of do you believe that they'll be able to continue that going forward? And is this a, an offense that's turned a corner against the Big Ten? I mean, turning the corner is so tough because you turn the corner and there's Ohio State waiting for you. So right. the, it's going to be a different look. As you mentioned several times, Minnesota, if they couldn't do it in their base looks, they were they were out of sorts. And that was definitely a, a different – I think that's a different approach than you'll see with Ohio State this week. Ohio State can get to the quarterback. Um, they can, they, they've got athletes at every level, which Minnesota just yeah. did not have. So whether or not Penn State turned the corner – kind of relevant because you're playing a different level of athlete this week and and you know can you know nick singleton break off those runs against ohio state is a conversation we had uh, you know going into the auburn game but can he break off those runs against a secondary or or a second level like ohio state that's going to be a lot tougher so your margin of error just shrinks completely um and then you get into the red zone it's even further so um, you know, you, but, but I said, I said it before, I like the adjustments that they made, um, screaming about the tight ends for longer than I can remember. Um, yeah. and they finally got there. Theo Johnson. That was great to see Parker Washington, man. Uh, what a stud, uh, just, uh, we thought that he could do, we've seen the flashes of that before went out and did it the other night. He's going to need to have a, a bona fide number one game. And, and that's, that's kind of where we're at with watching this Penn state offense. Uh, you go against the team. Like Ohio State, you're going to have to have your A game. You're going to have to have your number one on, and that's uh, that's at every position. And that's just part of the talent gap is you have to overcome some things. And we'll see if they if they can make that change. But I'm not ready to say that they turned a corner just because they they beat Minnesota, who was one dimensional on offense, fairly yeah. one dimensional on defense. If there is really so, sort of a thing, um, so but 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 at the same time, got to give him credit. Got to give Sean Clifford credit. He bounced back. He did a really good job, and that's what we get away from sometimes. He, he makes some good throws sometimes, yeah. but I think we're all looking for the negative so much that we, we don't really realize that. But Big Ten Player of the Week, so so good for him. I will say the one thing, you can't start slow against Ohio State. Uh, you're not, not going to get that that cushion um, where you know that Minnesota, you like you get fourth and what was it, two feet or something like that, and you decide to punt it uh, instead of going for it. Um, you're not going to get that cushion against Ohio State because you didn't think Minnesota could score, did the same thing against Auburn, didn't think Auburn could score. You know Ohio State can score. So offensively, yep. you're playing against their offense in that nature, in, in that sense as well. So it'd be really, really uh, interesting to see how Penn State handles it. Again, again, you like the adjustments, but you continue to have to make uh, make things like that work and, and, and try and outsmart them and, and get around them. I, Nate, I want to ask you this because this is something it- – I always do this. I ask something that I think, and it's a question to you guys, but I notice a difference in Sean Clifford. Did you notice a, sh- a difference in Clifford on Saturday where both of those touchdowns, the touchdown and the pass to Mitchell Tinsley, were into contested coverage. Those are passes mm-hmm. he hasn't been throwing lately. Do you think that that is something that is a benefit for the offense? I'm, I'm looking at this and trying to de- determine, can I trust this offense going forward to yeah. do the good things they did before? And that's a big, that's a big thing. Do you think you can trust that Clifford has decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to throw to these guys and I'm going to trust them in single coverage when it's not cleanly open. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, certainly I think that your eye for that is more advanced than mine in terms of where he's going with the football, but risk averse as a general concept for him. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And, and so like, I, I, I don't, I haven't had the perspective, I guess on that game as to, 
um, you know, how, how at risk were the passes that he was making? I mean, the, certainly the, the stuff to the tight ends in the middle of the field, um, looked open to me. Is that, yeah. Is that a, a no, fair that's read? Correct. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. He, he, he made some, he made, some, I don't know. They looked to me as though uh, some of those were, were not obviously the, the one pass, uh, the one passing touchdown to, I believe it was, was it Tinsley? Um, yeah. You know, it was just a broken play. Like, yeah, fine. It is what it is. But the other three explosive passing touchdowns were all dimes. I thought, I mean, they were right where they needed to be. And James Franklin made a point of it in the post game about specifically a topic that we've discussed all year. Clifford's throw under duress to Washington was, he called it one of the better throws that Clifford has made in his career. And that's a long career. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I would agree. You know, I thought personally watching the way he performed in that game and you're right. The the throws of the tight ends were schemed open and they were, they were, they were open, open, and those were good, but the throws that put him over the top, what I felt put it over the top for Clifford of he was he was playing that best game of his career is that throw to Washington and that's not one that he typically throws and he doesn't usually throw well if you look at the other one he threw it was an interception because he threw it to the wrong shoulder he threw it upfield instead of across the field and but he he kept going he kept going back to that well where before they hadn't so I I I just don't know if I can trust this offense to go toe-to-toe with the other potent offenses they'll see the rest of the season, namely the one next weekend. And, you know, for Penn State fans and, and for something new, I guess that's where I, I zone in on. That's where, that's where I zero in on is, can you trust these things going forward? Speaking of things you got to trust going forward, the offensive line coming out of Saturday. Fitz, um, other than, uh-oh, <laughs> with the right tackle going down in, in Caden Wallace, What's your take and what's your your feel about this group going forward, given they had a good night, the offense performed, but coming out of it, it feels like they lost something if Caden Wallace is gone for an extended period of time. Before I start on that, we've got guys in the chat talking about the John Donovan offense. I'm going to have to ask you guys to stop. I mean, it's (laughs) it's really just bringing back memories that I had blocked out for years. So enough of that, guys. Thank you for contributing but i don't need to hear about brandon polk and yeah some of the bubble <laughs> screens and things like that um i agree with the, the comment on the screen right now pass protection was improved uh on saturday i don't think and we talked about this going into the uh going into the the show or into the thursday show last week is that minnesota didn't get to the quarterback a lot but still you take the positives when you can take them with this offensive line i think they they looked a little bit more cohesive you had, you know, plenty of time back there for Sean Clifford, uh, probably more time than he's seen in a, in a long, long time. So yeah. good job there. But yeah, if, if Wallace is down, I know Wallace has struggled and, and we've been on him for a long, long time uh, about his struggles. But that's uh, that's that's a starting offensive lineman. That's a that's that's a lot to replace. So um, we'll we'll see what uh, what they do with Bryce Efner probably playing right tackle there. Um, no word on Caden Wallace. Saw him after the game no doctors around him or anything like that walked off on, on his own and, and things like that. But you never know because guys have walked off before and then we don't see him the rest of the season. So um, not, not much of an update there on Caden Wallace, but uh, if he's not out there, it's going to be something, uh, something to figure Efner. How, yeah. How'd you feel about how Efner did? Um, I, I like what Efner brings. You need a guy like Efner um, on the, on the roster. He can, he's filled in at left guard, right guard. Uh, he's played center in his career. 
Um, he's played both sides. I think he's played all five spots is the the short way and the, the more efficient way to say that. Um, you know, he's a guy that that provides value. Is he a starter, like an everyday starter? I That's going to be tough to say. I, I like him as a guy that can fill in. I like him as an extra blocker. Uh, Penn State has gone before that. Uh, guys, stop talking about that in the comments. We, nobody wants to hear that. Um but uh, no, it, it's not a guy that I, that I want to try out there every Saturday. Um, it's, it's, it's really tough to, to come along. I'm sorry. I just, uh, <laughs> it, as well. um, but uh, yeah, I, I've got big questions if he's out there every play, especially, you know, guys like yep. Zach Harrison coming off the edge of Ohio state's defensive line consistently, one of the best in the country. Um, so they're going to have to account for that, whether it means uh, tight end staying in more chipping and things like that. And I think that uh, Mike Yersich talked about that last week. They were doing a lot of that um, and the tight ends weren't, uh, weren't a factor. So do you, do you go back to that and get away from the tight ends uh, kind of pick your poison there? So I've got questions about whether or not that's the uh, that's the long-term answer, but I, I like Bryce Efner. I think Bri- having Bryce Efner around has been valuable. Uh, as I've talked to people at Penn state, they said they'd recruit him again. If, if, if another guy came up in that, uh, in that form, they would definitely recruit him again. But uh, if you're going to trot him out there as your starter, um, you're, you're probably going to have to help him. And I hope he comes back. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I, I think Franklin said it uh, talking about him the other day uh, in a press conference. They hope that effort comes back for a six year. Uh, I wonder uh fits just to interject uh, momentarily. Uh, are we going to start talking about Drew Shelton? Is that, you know, wh- when, when do yeah, uh, options that you don't want to explore start to come into the picture because if if Tengwall is out and Wallace is out, uh, you've gotten uh, to your limit more or less. Um, it seems to me in in terms of what some of your options are. I was surprised they played him at the end of the game. You know, me too. For one drive, uh, I. I fail to see the value in that from an outsider perspective, you know, uh, Vegione, you got him in there with your first team offensive line. You don't have Tangwall, So you're down to essentially your fourth guard and he's your fourth guard. Um, you know, and he also had, I think one more, one or two more games in his buffer, uh, to get to four games. So you probably start talking about Shelton, but, uh, you know, you, you want to continue to preserve that and keep him out of there as, as long as they can. Uh, by the way, loved what I saw from Vega. I mean, that guy, yeah absolutely huge like uh saw the jeff i put up uh on twitter where he mauled essentially mauled a red shirt freshman that's six to 300 pounds that's not easy to do for a uh you know a, a red shirt junior offensive lineman but for a true freshman to catch him turn him and and go right back at him and plant him that that says good things for the future i know they're they're very high on him uh, i want to continue to get him in that weight program for a year, get him uh, nutritionally where he needs to be. And all of a sudden you might have a guy competing uh, for, for early reps at guard as a red shirt freshman, which you, you know, you you've missed uh, golden Chumba hasn't gotten there. You've got some other guys in that yep. uh, 2020 class. I think it was um, that, that have not come around. Of course you got the great one in Olu Fashanu, but you, you didn't have the development in some of those other guys. So to get Shelton, to get Ione out there, uh, you know, that those are valuable, valuable guys. I just don't know that this is the week to, uh, to turn to Drew Shelton. It would be, it'd certainly be a, a in the fire sort of thing, right? I mean, Whew, that would be, but it, it it's a point where too, you've got a lot of things going on. I think beyond Caden Wallace too. I we were talking about what happened to Salim Wormley in the game. I went back and watched three different angles of uh, his beginning plays, 
And I didn't see any appreciable contact that caused an injury. And then suddenly he's out of the game and then he comes back in the game. Once there's the injury to me, kind of like with Landon Tangwall, that tells me he was nicked up coming into the game and they decided that he wasn't performing to the level they needed before uh, he was pulled. So I think it goes a little bit deeper than that too, you know, with all the, the issues on the offensive line and it's something to monitor heading into the game against uh, Ohio state. And of course, Whatever information we can gather on Wednesday from that, we'll be sharing with you at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Great time to sign up and get information inside the lion's den. Uh, and one thing you can get inside the lion's den uh, twice a month is a conversation with Mr. Rogue from Rogue Shop. If you've been watching the live show, this is something that we've been talking about for a while now. It's the uh, sponsor by the way, of today's Monday live show is Rogue Shop. They are a holistic small batch cannabis farm in uh, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, or Eau Claire. I don't know if it's got that uh, that uh, Midwestern vibe on it. Anyway, they sell Delta 8 products, Delta 9, CBD, HHC, and more. Um, they have all kinds of different products. In fact, I was uh, figuring we can just take a little stroll. If you want to take a field trip quickly, we'll go over here and we'll show you the website. So you can check out rogueshop.com and use the promo code BWI for 10% off your purchase. And here is the website. And like I said, they are a small uh, family company. So you can see down here online, yeah, there's a chat function. Char, the owner of the company, will answer you. And you've got all the products here. And one of my favorite things that they do is they show these by um, by product category as well. So if you have specific needs, whether it is uh, you're, you're looking for something for focus, you're looking for something for um, the ability to sleep better, pain management, all that stuff, you can check it out at rogueshop.com. Uh, they, like I said, are the uh, sponsor here of the Monday Live Show. Use the promo code BWI so they know you came from here and you get 10% off your first purchase. Um, the other night, I was having a hard time going to bed. My wife looked over at me, dead me and she said, your brain isn't shutting down, is it? And I said, no, no, it's not. I just quarter of a gummy, went to bed, slept through the night. It was perfect. So it helps me get through football season. It might help you if you have insomnia or any of those things. Uh, let's talk about the defense. Curtis Jacobs, Abdul Carter, it finally happened, guys. They were on the field for the same uh, plays for the majority of the game. Fitz, is this is the big base, the new base personnel, or was that a Minnesota-specific game plan, do you think? Because that is the controversy of the week going forward is certain people are, are absolutely convinced that Penn State's going to be playing this formation going forward. I have my doubts. Where do you land on that? I also have my doubts, um, but I think it was Minnesota specific. You knew it was a one uh, one dimensional offense. They were playing four linebackers out there at times, you know, including into, including Sutherland. So I think it was Minnesota specific. I think they saw that it worked, and when you see something works, you maybe want to go back to it. So I yeah. wouldn't rule out seeing more of it, but I think it was they they did put it in there for Minnesota. I will say Abdul Carter. Um, as fun as he is to watch, he does get turned around. Sometimes you can see the freshman in him, um, and picking the wrong gaps and things like that, but man, he can make up for it pretty much unlike anyone else on that roster. Uh, the, the, the tackle that he made while he was fighting off a block and not only did he make the tackle, it's not like he tripped the guy up. He, he, he destroyed him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and denied Dennis Sutton did something similar uh, a little bit later. So. Um, yeah, you, you've got to get those guys onto the field together. 
big base is going to be tough because Ohio State can spread you out and do so many more things. I think we do see more Daquan Hardy um, as a nickel corner and things like that this week. But uh, yeah, I, I, I you, you got to go with what works. And Curtis Jacobs at the Sam really, really worked on Saturday. Yeah, it did, and it felt it felt like it was. He played both positions too, and I think that's right. the the part that not only did he have the 14 tackles, but he would flip over to Will on passing downs because the conversation has always been you can't take him off the field for passing downs. He is a very valuable player, and he's one of your best linebackers, so he's playing double duty in this situation, uh, and he's playing very well at the Sam. Uh, Nate, when it comes to how teams kind of grow over the season, Mm-hmm. Is this a natural evolution you've been expecting? Because Abdul Carter, as James Franklin said, is no longer a freshman. Um, and and how much more do you think we that we're going to see from these young guys that Fitz mentioned in, in Dennis Sutton and Abdul Carter? Because this was always the conversation of as these guys develop, some other players are going to lose some snaps. Yeah. Uh, well, Franklin talked about it in the preseason press conference, right? I mean, that was either media day or maybe the the Tuesday press conference right before the season started. Um, You know, look like, is there talent in that class of freshmen who are, is there in the first place? Yes, of course. Uh, But it's, it's a two way street, right? It's, it's them being able to, to demonstrate that they are able to do it uh, in the first place. And then it's also the coaching staff saying to themselves, Oh, I trust him. I trust him to not yeah. make the critical mistake. And and to me, that becomes a massive storyline this week is Ohio State can just crush you like that, right? Like it, these these singular plays. I mean, at every game that Penn State plays with Ohio State in recent history, it, it just it, they have just had these moments of, oh, the game's competitive, the game's competitive, the game's competitive, and then Boom. It feels like every plays on the edge of a knife and you cannot teeter because then if you fall, we get the result that we've seen routinely. Right. And and, you know, this is where it gets interesting. Right. Is there are decisions being made this week of do you need the most athletic, explosive athlete on the right? Do you need that on the field to be able to compete with them? Or do you need to protect yourself from that critical error, the, the critical mistake that that is just going to kill you? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be super interesting to see how some of that rep distribution plays out this week because it's it's that clear it's that clear distinction, right? I mean, they've they've had that in positions all season this year. Of hey, here's one guy who's been around for a long time, and there is that intrinsic trust. It, it is established they don't make the backbreaking mistake uh but also hey here's here's the stud like here's here's the young guy who yeah. uh, has this opportunity to to make game changing plays because again yes they are things that can happen to you but they are also things that you can impress on somebody else what do you feel about the run defense on Saturday? Talk about the linebackers and how they use those players and the the scheme coming in, but then the shutting down. And I know that he still got a hundred yards, but Muhammad Ibrahim shut down three point one yards per carry. When given the backdrop of what had happened previously, what do you put into that kind of the same conversation with the offense and 
how the game flow went, how do you frame how they played Fitz on Saturday against the run? And do you think that translates going forward? Or was that, again, Minnesota didn't have their starting quarterback? You're not going to have that luxury this weekend. You know, Ohio State at any time can can pull it and find a guy 60 yards down the field. You know, that, that, that's one of the things that they can do that Minnesota was – never a threat in that sense. Um, so you're not going to play four linebackers. You're probably not going to play Curtis Jacobs at that spot. I'd love to see him at that spot, but Nate did a very good job of laying out all these things without saying John Sutherland's name does what, you know, is this, <laughs> is this the guy that you trust so much not to make a mistake, but does he make your defense? It's peak defense. That's a, that's a very good question. So I, I don't think that they can do a lot of the things that they did this weekend. Ohio state is not, and that's the thing. Ohio state's not invincible. You know, they, they've shown cracks at times this year. You get to CJ Stroud, you put them on the, you put them on the ground and, and good things might happen. Um, it's just about uh, taking those opportunities and maximizing those opportunities. So I'm be very interested. I, again, I say, I said that Hardy's probably going to be on the field a little bit more that they, they yeah. just do more out of the slot than any team that they've played to date, I believe maybe with the exception of Purdue. So uh, there's a lot to uh, there's a lot to work against there. And the other thing is you need to come out. And uh, this is a very simple analysis. They played on skates against Michigan. They played on their heels, um, you know, because of the threat of the past was there. And then Michigan ran all over them. Mm-hmm. Ohio State, you know that the pass is certainly there. So but 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 you can't respond like that. You have to go out and, and, and be aggressive. And many, many, many defense is very aggressive. But, uh, yeah, that's that's going to be one where. The margin of error, as we said on the offense, is so much smaller uh, for that defense. It's a cutback lane. It's a backside pursuit. It's things like that, the little things like that, gap soundness, and and the things that killed you against Michigan, they're going to pop up again this week. And, uh, you know, it's great to focus on one guy. You mentioned uh, Ibrahim had 100 yards, but on 30 30 or 32 carries, something like that, I think it was 3-point-something yards per carry. That's a win for the Penn State defense. Yeah. Um, and, but they, they kept him in front of him. They did a really good job with that. You, you don't have that luxury this week against Ohio state. The, the situation at defensive end is going to play a major factor going forward. Uh, what did you think of deny on Saturday, Nate? And, and how do you think that situation is going to be evolving? Cause one of the guys we've, we talked about Abdul Carter, he has jumped to the front of the line as far as freshman playing, but mm-hmm. deny was always the headliner coming in. What have you seen from that particular situation at defensive end? given chop was unavailable on Saturday and that led to a lot of changes up front. Yeah. I, um, you know, just, just based on what I expect from deny in terms of his pass rushing ability and his presence there, uh, not necessarily the, the matchup, right? Like there, that wasn't a passing team. There, there weren't that many opportunities. I didn't feel like, um, y- you know, to have that type of impact, but no, I thought, I mean, uh, he is continuing to develop. He's right. Like just, I, I don't know. That's a bad way to say not a strong opinion. Um, <laughs> I, <you> know, <laughs> I, I, I think, I think that like a lot of those guys that there's just that, that middle ground of, yeah, they, there are things that they do that, that are appealing uh, that, that you really like. It's a talent there, but also you, you understand that there are some weaknesses and vulnerabilities that they present uh, being on the field for you. He had two pressures on the night. One of them was a, a clean win where he got to the quarterback, flushed him out. But of course, then the uh, I'm not going to say his name. I'm not going to try and say his name. Ran for about eight yards on a QB scramble. 
part of this, and if it's, is this a fair way to frame this of he's played well and he's done some good things, but he hasn't been five star defensive end yet. Is that a fair way to say that? And do you think that's a correct assessment? I think he's shown five-star flashes, but anybody that's going and playing on the front four as a true freshman, you're going to have to reset your expectations to how much they can do unless you're a straight-speed guy that can come off the edge in a situational role and just run around people, which is not what he is, and that's great. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't need that guy. Um, well, I mean, you'd love to have that guy, absolutely, but you don't need that for the long term of his career because he's going to be a multi-year starter here. Um, so I love what I've seen so far. Again, he made the same kind of play that Carter did where he's fighting off a block and he's taking guys down. So uh, I'm a big, big fan. And that's the thing. You're not going to get me to say anything bad about him because I love him so much. He's so great. <laughs> um, but no, but uh, but but to be honest with you, uh, I think the expectations um, are or I think he's playing about at the expectation level. Penn yeah. State really likes his progress. Like he's he's not the freak out. He's not the five star freak. We've said it before. He's not the five-star freak that um, is going to be twitched up off the edge and all that kind of stuff, but he's going to be a guy that develops into, I think, one of the best defensive linemen in the Big Ten eventually. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to have a really good career here. It's a, it's a little bit early to say that in his career, but he's done so many nice things so far. And, you know, he's still gotten gotten to the quarterback. He's gotten the sack. I think he's, does he lead the team in sacks? Is that uh, I know that a couple have been garbage time. But he I think he's, he's right up there in he's terms of, of, of getting to the quarterback. And some guys just have that natural instinct to to get there and, and to finish the play. And I think he's one of those guys. So uh, really encouraged by his play so far. But I think it's right at expectations, which are limited when you're a guy walking into the front four playing against uh, Big Ten offensive linemen. Yeah, he is tied with Abdul Carter for the lead on the team with three. So uh, that that puts a nice bow on the freshman talk there for a second. Um, anything else from Minnesota that stood out to either of you when it comes to uh, the defensive side of the ball? The secondary, not much, not much that stood out from Minnesota. That was not. Yeah. <laughs> that was not pretty. I mean, we. I think we we over overrated them based on the way that Penn State played the, the week prior. Not having Tanner Morgan completely changes that thing. I think Ethan threw some his ball location on a couple of those balls was was really good. So there's something to build on there. But uh, you know, when you're playing a one dimensional team that you can. You, you you say this all the time with pass rush, pin your ears back and go get the quarterback. Well, you can pin your ears back and go get a running back as well. And they they did that. And holding him to 100 yards on 30, 32 carries, whatever it was, uh, is is definitely a win. So like what we saw there, I know some people have, have asked about uh, Tig Brown and, and his game. Very bad sequence, but not a bad game by any stretch of the imagination. Also, I liked his, uh, his awareness when returning that, that uh, interception. He was all over the place. Yeah. Um, you know, scouting 10, 15 yards ahead where he needed to be. He looked like a kick returner out there. So that was that was pretty cool to see. And one last thing on the defense, Mike is going to be an issue this week again. Um, you know, you, d- does Tyler Elston yep. have the athleticism to keep up with with what they're going to throw at him? Um, Ohio State likes to drag. They like to, to get their backs out of the backfield. That's not a good uh, formula for Penn State. Kobe King, I thought, did some nice things against Minnesota. But both of those guys, um, if you're talking about playing your top defensive, you know, top defensive performance. I think both of those guys would have the propensity to struggle against this Ohio State offense. That's one of those things that you hope, I I would hope, you know, to see progression and evolution, not just from the players, but from the coaching staff is don't put your guys in that 
position. Like there are certain things. If you've got a matchup, you have to avoid. If it means you call something a little bit less, it's tough. I, I, I'm I'm trying to like dig into a game plan that nobody knows what's going to be yet, and that is something I do want to talk about with Ohio State. In the notes, I just say Ohio State discuss because we've gotten to that point of talking about Ohio State. <laughs> we've we've touched on just about everything so far in the context of Minnesota versus the upcoming week. Um, but how many Diaz plays, I think is going to be fascinating. Does he go man to man and say, I've got one of the best corners in America. Joe, Joey Porter Jr. was running routes for, for players last week against the best receivers in America. A team that I think might be more talented after losing Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave at that position, which is crazy to think. Um, if you, (laughs) if you were Manny Diaz, Nate, what are you doing? Are you playing Ben but don't break on on Saturday? Are you going back to the well there? Maybe yes, I think. <laughs> I want to uh, see him go man to man. I want to see look, cover one the whole night. I want to see what happens like it's like it's a uh, like it's a prospect camp. Just put him on an island and let's see who wins more reps. Isn't that Dom Brown? Isn't that what Penn State? <laughs> yeah. Right is is if you have the receivers to win those battles at least half of the time, then that's a losing equation. Look, uh, this this is my very rudimentary third grade analysis. Uh, Ohio State's going to run and pass for a million yards on Saturday, right? Like they they will get yards. Yards will happen. How frequently, if at all, can Penn State? get them into third and long situations, obvious passing downs, get a sack. What, what have you a negative yardage play on first or second down that sets them up to be aggressive and to make the interception on third down, right? Like how many of those opportunities are there going to be for Penn state? And does it actually happen? Does it happen when the chance is there? Does the strip sack happen? Does it, you name it, those singular splash plays that define a game, have to happen for Penn State defensively yeah. on Saturday. And this is the type of game where that's that's where that's where you win. That's that's it is <laughs> because because Ohio State will have success running the football. They you you know like Michigan set that table to say, hey, this this is something that is going to happen. These are vulnerabilities and susceptibilities that Penn State has defensively. Can you force them to be uh, multi-dimensional and then take advantage when they get into inopportune uh, situations. Lambda's on Ben, but don't break team uh, Fitz, I don't know if you've seen uh, anything of Ohio state yet. Is there any matchup or any situation that you're interested in? I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how many Diaz plays with the defense. What are you, is there anything you're looking at as you're looking yeah. ahead? Yeah. My, I said what I said with the mic um, earlier. I mean, that's going to be a situation yeah. where Penn state has to protect you know the the guy that's in there, and that's not ideal when you're going against a, a team with the firepower that Ohio State has. Also in the slot, I mean, they move so many guys in in and out. I, I don't know that Smith and Jigba is going to play. Um, from from talking to people last weekend, that it's you know the the initial look at that injury said hey could could miss some time. Um, so taking that off um, is a big deal. But of course, you've got Harrison, uh, you've got Julian Fleming, who I'm sure will have six threads about this week you know there's a lot to uh a lot to deal with in that defense so you want to be as fast as possible and that mic is is going to could be a liability um this weekend unfortunately um beyond that i'll be interested to see you know how often 
Manny's going to roll out those seven DB packages and things like that. Uh, Cause yeah. you've got to cover that entire field. Uh, does, does Wheatley come back into play? Uh, just bringing Jalen, I mean, Jalen Reed had a really rough game against Michigan, kind of bounced back this week against Minnesota. Um, how do those young safeties respond uh, when they're thrown out there in that situation? And um, yeah, it's going to be, it, it, they'll be, they'll be tested in a sense that they have not been tested spread out and tested. And that's, yeah. a, that's something you're going to have to, to watch uh, that Harrison. I mean, I, I expect a Harrison Porter jr. Matchup, uh, an NFL legacy matchup there. And that is, that's what you want to see. That's why you watch football to see matchups like that. So I'm excited to see that. Um, would love to see them go right at Ohio state, play some man and uh, you know, cover zero, cover one and, and really go at them and try and knock Stroud off of his game because He's been a phenomenally productive quarterback at times, but when he gets rattled, he he will throw yeah. a couple of them away. You know, he's had some had a turnover against Iowa last week. But as Nate said, that thing can go from 14-14 to 28-14 in no time. I'm also not as good snapping my fingers. And I know Nate, Nate was showing off a little bit earlier about snapping <laughs> his fingers. He's really good at it. Uh, I'm not as good, but you can turn that on a dime and uh and all of a sudden you're down a couple of scores. But uh that's my worry is how do you work around the 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 limitations at Mike? How does Abdul Carter and and Curtis Jacobs figure back into that? Uh, what's going to happen there? So um, there's there's plenty to be fascinated about. I'm sure that that's what we'll uh, that's what we'll be talking about the next couple of days. Uh, Penn State, we've talked about this plenty of times. Penn State is built to play with Ohio State from the personnel on down. Um, and Manny Diaz, a lot of ways, this is another game where his defense is designed to play against teams that like to do this. So it's going to be a fun matchup. A new person in this uh, rivalry is Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator. Super fascinating stuff. I took a look at some of the defensive things they do uh, today before the show. I'm I'm going to be talking about that this week on the BWI Daily Edition. Nate, do you have any final thoughts here in the last couple minutes as we round out the show about the upcoming game? No, it's going to be. It, I think it's going to be fun. I, I don't know the the, the uh, level of like abject despair of Penn State fans, I think, is premature. And I'll leave it at I, that. By the way, I just want to say this. Going back to our original topic, um, I'll give you my my unvarnished opinions about, do you actually like football? Because we're gonna. here's what's going to happen. If Penn State loses, we are going to have triple the engagement here on the BWI Daily Edition, on the post-game show, and on our other things that we give you live after the game. From the instant analysis to James Franklin's press conference, Misery loves company and the the negative Nellies always come out on the internet after a game. So if you like football, just be with us for the rest of the week. Just engage in the conversation. <laughs> Let your fear go and soar in the air with the excitement of football because unless you have a heart attack and you have Clifford fatigue to the point that you faint, you will wake up on Sunday morning. And we will be there to talk to you about the game. Uh one week from now. Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was a ton of fun. Thanks. I <laughs> would say thanks. And also no more Donovan talk uh, down there in the comments. That's, that, that's yeah, all never I have again. to add to your point. You won't enjoy football if you, if you go there. Blacklist. Yeah, I will be I will be monitoring next week's conversation and people will be kicked out of the chat if we hear anything about John Donovan or about going under center from the, all of that stuff that we talked about. None of that anymore. No more temple talk. That'll they went for the seven and six. Okay. It's not bad. Ah, oh, Fitz, I forgot to ask you about recruiting. Um, do you have like 10, uh, 15, 20 seconds on something interesting that you're going to talk about with uh, with Ryan tomorrow on the show? 
I thought you were going to say minutes, and I was like, no, I don't. My wife already gave me the, uh, <laughs> hey, we're still down here comment. So, no, I definitely don't. But, uh, no, I mean, it, 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 it met expectations for the weekend. Um, you know, I wrote going into the weekend, not really expecting commitments. Of course, Kevin Hay was a guy that we've been watching for a long time. Dom Nichols was another guy that we were watching. Unfortunately, got a concussion on Friday night, so he opted not to travel, which is probably looking around that stadium and I think having a concussion yeah. would not be the ideal uh, sensory scenario for that. Um, but uh, I think it, it's a building block weekend and they're going to benefit from it in the long run. Uh, you had a couple of, of 2023 guys now. Nate wants to talk basketball recruiting. I, see. I do, <laughs> but uh, you had a couple of 2023 guys, then you can definitely work, uh, work around and try and fill out the rest of your class, but they're going to have guys come in for officials uh, later in the year. It's so tough. Um, I don't know if people understand how tough it is to run an official visit weekend on a whiteout weekend, just because there's so much stuff going on. The focus is so much on, on the game and things like that. And I know they've got a recruiting staff, but you want your guys to be front and center with the, with the actual coaching staff. And that just doesn't happen. So um, some great, uh, great, great uh, responses from prospects. I know Ryan, as I said before, Ryan did a phenomenal job with the recaps and things like that. And we're going to continue to, to, to get it done uh, throughout this week. And, um, are we looking for any sort of, uh, immediate gratification with commitments or anything like that? No, but I think this is going to be one that, that sticks with them for a long, long time. It was a fun game. So it's probably a fun game for those basketball commits too. So Nate, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. What do you got? I don't even need 30 seconds. Give me 10 seconds. Uh, Dwayne Pierce, top 100, uh, prospect in the class of 2024 was at Penn state on an official visit, had a great time. I understand. And Royce Parham, a huge guy. A uh, huge prospect that they are targeting for the class of 2024 also had a great weekend uh, from what I can tell. That's a it. lot of people had a great weekend. 109,000 people. It was a fun <laughs> atmosphere and uh, probably do it again next year. I have a, a thought coming up tomorrow. More recruiting talk from Fitz and from Ryan Snyder on the BWI Daily Edition. If you're listening on our podcast versions, please subscribe and uh, rate, review, all that stuff. Hit the automatic download. We love you. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you tomorrow.